0: And amen, you can have a seat uh, here today. Well, listen, it is so good to see you uh, here in the house of God, and uh, I I consider it a privilege uh, to be able to share God's Word with you today, but I'm so grateful that you are, are uh, here uh, with us uh, here at church today, and uh, I appreciate your presence uh, so much. And uh, for anyone that is, that is new or not been here in a long time and just kind of slipped in uh, here today, I want to welcome you as well. I'm reminded that every single week, sometimes we We have people that are kind of slipping in, and uh, we are grateful for you, and we would love to connect with you. We believe God is doing some great things here at our church, Uh, not because of me, not because of anybody here, just because of how good he is. And, uh, and we're grateful for that. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And uh, like Pastor David said earlier, uh, make sure you take one of those new here cards. And And we would love for you to stop by our Welcome Center and uh, turn that in. We got a gift that we'd love to get in your hands just as our way of saying thank you for being here. And, uh, and then also, we would love just to meet you and to connect with you and follow up with you uh, here uh, this week, uh, if at all possible. And I hate to just kind of repeat uh, what David said, but uh, this Tuesday, so important and I'm excited about this. It's not all the time that we get the whole family together uh, for a service and uh, kids, uh, grandkids and uh, and adult students, everybody's going to be in here together. This is turning into one of my favorite services of the year and uh, I would love to invite you to be a part uh, of that Tuesday night. So be here, bring your family with you and I think it's going to be a great uh, great time uh, in the house of God. Well listen, if you have your Bible go to John chapter number 9 John chapter number nine, and uh, we are in week number five of our series that we entitled uh, Altered, uh, this new series that I guess you can't call it new if you've been in it for five weeks, but we began this five weeks ago and uh, called Altered, and uh, the this, this series is all about uh, seven different encounters that Jesus had with different people, different stages of life, different issues, and uh, Jesus addressed them where they were, seven different people through the gospel of John uh, here, and so we've looked at a bunch of them, so we looked at the skeptical uh, a man by the name of Nathaniel, if you remember, he said, hey, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Then we looked, John chapter 3, at the curious. Uh, that was Nicodemus. And uh, and then we looked at John chapter 4, the outcast. That was the Samaritan woman. And uh, then we looked at the sinful. Uh, that was the adulterous woman. And uh, then this week, today, from John chapter number 9, we're going to look at the blind the blind man. Now I want you to understand the gospel of John is so important um, for every single one of us and, and John actually laid out not only these stories and these different encounters with Jesus he also laid out at the end of his gospel the reason of why uh, he recorded uh, these different uh, stories in in his gospel, and so he says this. I wanted to mention this. This is so good, and this is the reason. This is right after Jesus' resurrection, at the very end of the book, uh, after his resurrection, and after you know doubting Thomas. You know the story there, and Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. John enters a verse here in verse number thirty-one of John chapter twenty. He said these. These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And I mentioned that verse, and we're going to go back to John chapter 9, but I mentioned that verse as a reason for why these stories were written down for you. The reason for these stories are not so that you know you would just think wow, Jesus can do some really good things or or Jesus you know can do some really cool miracles. And, and yes he can and yes he did come to do some good things. But the reason why these stories are recorded for us is so that you can believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Christ, the son of God and that you believing in him can have life. So that's the, that's the purpose of, of John's gospel and the purpose of all of these, these stories. And here we come to John chapter 9, and, uh, and I'll tell you this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front so you can brace yourself. There's 41 verses in John chapter 9, Okay. Uh, Some of you have already kind of flipped your page over, and you're like, okay, this story goes through the entire chapter. How are we going to do this? Pastor is already long-winded as is without 41 verses, and so how is this going to work? We are going to work through the entire passage together, and uh, one thing I'm reminded about is that uh, the Word of God is where the power is. And uh, So the power of what happens in your heart today, it's not through a really cool crafted sermon that I can deliver or a story that I can tell. The power that you are looking for is found in the words of God that we are going to read today. And so we're going to work through this uh, together through Jesus' encounter with the blind man. I do want to mention this because this is interesting uh, as I was studying this week. Uh, Sight is so important, isn't it? And sight is, is important for, for any of us, because if you don't have sight, you can't see, right? You miss out on things, and, and you don't know, know what's in front of you. Um, and this past week, I actually went, for the first time in a long time, uh, I went to the eye doctor, Okay, I, wear, I wear contacts, if you didn't know, and, and uh, if you ever show up at my house really late at night, you'll see me in glasses. I don't wear those very often, but I have to wear them because without them, I can't see. And this past week, I went to um, the eye doctor kind of for a checkup, and so I go in there and uh, just think you know I'll be in and out, and, and so I went in and, and did my thing, and they said right before I was leaving or whatever, they said, hey, is it okay if we dilate your eyes? How many of you have ever had that happen? Okay and and i've had it happen to me several different times and and um and so they uh they did and and so we had that and if you've ever had your eyes dilated you know that it's such a weird feeling because i can like See things far away, but I can't read anything that's right in front of my face. And so, so they're like, you know, they, they, I check out and, and I pay um, at the end of my daughter's visit. I couldn't see anything up near me. So she hands me, you know, my, my piece of paper, uh, you know, the receipt that you're supposed to sign. And I signed it in like the weirdest spot, right? Because I can't, I can't see it. And then I go back to the office and I had a meeting. And I had this meeting with this guy, and um, and it was in our school office. And and so I sit there, and he hands me these papers about insurance and stuff like that. And I had to just tell him, I'm like, sir, I'm just, you're gonna have to read all of this to me. I can't see anything in front of me. Then I go back to the church office, and it still, it takes a couple hours for it to, you know, kind of wear off, and you get back to normal. But I go over there, and and I, my phone goes off all day long. It's just part of my my world. And so I'm getting all these text messages, and I'm in all these conversations, and I keep having to walk into. Pastor Bailey's office, and I'm like, hey, what is this person, what are they telling me, and can, can you make sure that, you know, what I text back, you know, I mean, I'm much younger than him, I thought it'd be backwards, that he'd be like, hey, can you read this for me, and, um, and it's backwards, you know, the tables have turned this week, and, and so I had to, for a couple of hours, like, get other people, I couldn't do anything, and I was reminding, as I was studying this, even this week, knowing what I was going to preach about, sight is so important. And you're going to see that here in this passage, but I want you to understand something. Like this don't lose sight of the importance. Yes, physical sight is important. Physical sight is important. But nothing is as important as spiritual sight. Nothing is more important than being able to see spiritually. And that's what we're going to look at here today with the story of the blind man. Let's jump in. John chapter number nine, verse one says this. And as Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples they asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born born blind what a what a terrible question by the way like, what an awful thing to even assume, you know, this person is suffering, they were born blind, they've never seen before, and his disciples who were with him, they say, hey, hey, Master, Jesus, um, who sinned? Did this man sin, or or did his family sin, because somebody had to do something wrong in order for him to be born with with this suffering. So the assumption was that there was some type of cause and effect relationship between sin and suffering. Now I want you to know that this is very, very common in this culture, that if somebody was born with a a, a problem or a defect or whatever, that they had no control over it. A lot of the people there would assume that they had done something wrong or their family had done something wrong in order for them to to be born uh, that way. And Jesus is going to respond back to him, and he's going to really you know, respond back to his disciples, explaining to them that that's not the case. In fact, in verse number 3, Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. If you're writing your Bible, I encourage you maybe write something next to that. Pain can have a purpose. A lot of times we don't like to see it that way, but pain in somebody's life can still serve a purpose. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples, is that the disciples, they just assumed this man has a problem, he has no control over it, so he must have done something wrong to, to get this, this problem. But pain can have, a, can have a purpose. And I want you to know that that's no different than what you've probably experienced in your life. Some of you can probably go back to certain situations in your life that were painful that after the fact, you can look back and see that God used your painful circumstance to, to accomplish his purpose in your life. Or, or possibly you look at somebody who's been through a lot and God has used them to touch many in their life. You think about that it's something very common. I, was, uh, I went to a, a birthday party last night, and um, it was uh, some people that I, I grew up with. In fact, I was in second grade when I started at, at Faith Christian. We don't like to talk a lot about Faith Christian because they're the enemy. I get it. And, uh, and so I, I went there my whole life. And, um, and so in second grade, um, I, I met a guy who was in my class. His name was Corey. And uh, Corey was born and uh, you know, with, with problems, and he was in a wheelchair his whole life. And, and he had seizures and a bunch of different things, and, and he was a friend of mine growing up, and, and, uh, and I went to his birthday when he turned 40 years old, and so I went there, and he's been like this his whole life. His parents have taken, taken care of him his entire life. And, and I'll say this to say, you know, like when I was around this family who had really suffered just, I mean, for all of these many years, but if you look at them and you follow their story throughout the beginning, you know, they are, they're joyful, throughout all of that, because their joy is not found in their circumstance, but their joy is found in in Him. And and when your joy is found in Him, you can see that sometimes even through a painful circumstance that we have no control over, God can still display His power, and He can still manifest the works of God in our situation. And that's what He's trying to teach the disciples here. And so He goes on, verse number 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so the disciples probably are like, okay, Jesus, like I don't fully understand what you're trying to tell us or what you're trying to teach here. So Jesus decided to use an interesting illustration. Okay, and this is in Scripture. And so I want you to follow along with me, verse number six. When he had thus spoken, Jesus Spit on the ground. Like what an interesting uh interesting thing, and made clay of the of the spittle or of the of the spit, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Isn't that an interesting story? Now, this is a verse that I wish we had more information about, right? Because I'm thinking, did he ask him? First, like, like, what an interesting thing, like, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a germaphobe in a lot of ways, and, and, uh, and I, you know, I don't want none of you touching my face, okay, and I don't want uh, any of your saliva anywhere near my face, Okay? And here, you know, this man's born blind, and and you got all these people here around him, the disciples, and and they're trying to make sense of this. And Jesus is using this interesting illustration. He spits on the ground. He uses that, and he puts it into this this mud, and he anoints the eyes of this blind man with the clay that he made from his his spit. And and verse number 7, said unto him, Go... Washed in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, he went his way, therefore, and washed, and he came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? In other words, all the neighbors that have watched him since birth, you know, uh, because he was blind and he didn't have money, so what did he do? He would, you know, go and he'd beg uh, on the streets, and, and they knew him in that regard. And now they see him, and, and they're like, wait a second, isn't this the same guy that we've watched for years sit and, and beg? Some said this is he. Others said he is like him, but but he's like standing there. He's like, guys, I am he. It is me. It, it's me, guys. And, and they're all confused. So verse number 10, therefore they, they said unto him, how, how were thine eyes open? Like, how are you all of a sudden being able to see? You've not been able to see your entire life. He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus, he made clay. Notice he didn't really go into details about that because, I mean, who would want to say, hey, this guy he spit and he put it all on my eyes and that kind of thing. So he said he made clay and he anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I did and, and I washed and it was there that I received sight. Verse twelve. Then said they unto him, Where is he? In other words, where is Jesus? And 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 he said, I I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So so now, uh, here's what's happening. Is so this man, you know, he has this encounter with Jesus. Now he's he you know he he was blind from birth, and now he can. He can see, and all the people are like, wait a second, what's happening? This has never happened, and, and they're questioning it. So you have all the neighbors, and they're kind of skeptical, like, what in the world? You know, you got to tell us where this man is, because this man, I mean, we need to go see him. We need to go investigate. We need to go out and find problems. And so what they ended up doing was they brought him to the Pharisees. Now, we've been looking a lot at the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders, right? They were the leaders of that day. So these were the ones who knew the law and they did their very best to keep the law. In fact, everybody would look up to them for spiritual things. And 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 so these Pharisees, you know, they're kind of the judge of and and the jury of of all these sorts of situations. And so what they did was they took this blind man that now could see. And they're like, listen, we got to get you in front of the Pharisees and you got to kind of explain what happened. And the reason is, as found in verse 14, it was on the Sabbath day. Of course it was. It was on the Sabbath day when Jesus did this and he healed this man. And, and I want you to understand the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, there were some laws there about working and, and healing, mix, you know, mixing things together on the Sabbath. And, and there was all this kind of stuff. And so they were looking here for a way to, to try and get where Jesus had, had done something wrong. So the point is, is honestly, if you, if you look deep into their heart, they weren't really caring as much about this blind man being healed. They thought that this would be an opportunity to really put Jesus on display here. And that's what you're going to see for the remainder of, of this chapter, verse number 15. So the Pharisees asked him, notice again, how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, Listen, I told my neighbors this, and they brought me to you, so I'm telling you this. He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So you have all of these Pharisees, they're confused and they're divided on their interpretation of what is this. This can't be of God because they they saw this as a violation of the Old Testament law. And so they say unto the blind man again, verse number 17, what sayest thou of him? In other words, can you help us out? Do you, you're the blind man, you're the one that encountered him. Do you think he is a sinner? Do you think Jesus is a sinner or, or not? What do you say of him that he opened thine eyes and so the man said he's a prophet verse 18 but the jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight so it's like this this interesting cycle here in john chapter 9 you got okay this man was miraculously healed and everybody's just skeptical about it, and so they bring the neighbors by. They're like, okay, these guys can tell us what really happened, because this is, this is weird. They couldn't explain it, and they don't understand it, so they take him before the Pharisees, and now the Pharisees don't believe it. And so now they're going to bring his, his parents in front of him. Notice what's interesting is that all these people around them, they were the ones that were, were blind all along. Is right in front of them. The, the miracle, Jesus, he's right there. And and they're the ones who refuse to open up their eyes to what, and more importantly, who is in front of them. Verse number 19. So they asked them, the parents, saying, hey, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How, how in the world does he now see? And is parents they're you know they're in a tough spot so his parents answered them and said this we know this is what we know okay this is our son number one very good they did it right all right that's the first thing that they know without a shadow of a doubt second thing he was born blind we brought him home from the hospital we know good and well this guy he was blind and this is our son but verse 21 by what means he now seeth we know not in other words, the only thing that we know, the only thing we know for sure, certain is that this is our son, he was blind from birth, but the fact that he now sees, I, I, we do not know. Or, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, why don't you ask him? In other words, he's old enough, why don't you put him in front of the jury here, and you ask him for yourself, and he can speak for himself. Verse number 22, these words spake his parents because, listen to this, they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already. Isn't that interesting? And and so the reason why his parents, you know, they're being asked, and all these people are hounding them about, hey, tell us how this man can see. Like, isn't this your son? They're like, yeah, he's my son, And, and yeah, he was born blind. Those things we do know, but how he sees, we don't know. And the reason why they wouldn't tell him the story is because they feared the Jews because they had agreed already. In other words, they'd already, the Jews and the Pharisees, they'd already decided. They'd already decided in their heart. You know what I call that? Willful blindness. Willful blindness. That, That what they're looking for, what they're searching for, it's right in front of them. It's right there. But yet they're willfully closing the eyes of their heart, refusing to believe what is directly in front of them. Or say it this way, refusing to see what is right in front of them. And that's what you find here with the Jews, and that's true of, uh, of all the Jews. And uh, I mean, Jesus, what did he say? He came to his own, and his own received him not. You see, these Jews, they refused to believe, and so this woman's scared to death. So verse number, uh, to because, and, and by the way, they, they the reason that they'd agreed already is that if any man, verse 22, did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. In other words, these men were already, they'd already determined in their heart that they would not see what Jesus had done, and that he was going to be thrown out of the synagogue. So the parents were like, these guys have already decided. Verse number 23, therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. So then again, verse 24, then again called they the man that was blind. He's probably tired of telling this story, right? And said unto him, well, listen, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or not, I know not. One thing I know. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying, I don't understand everything. I don't get everything. I can't even answer all of your questions today that you have for me. I don't know about this or that. I don't get it all. But this one thing, I know. I was blind, but now I see. So his point is he's saying this. Listen. And this is true for some of you, and especially I know I know many of you have probably been in church your entire life, and I get that, and and I was too. So so for me, it was somewhat easier, I would say, to believe in some ways because this was all that I knew even before I came to faith in Christ. But if you're in here today, and and you have constantly rejected, or will go as far to say you have willfully shut the eyes of your heart to what is directly in front of you, and, and it might be because. You can't explain every single thing about the Bible, right? Like, like there's going to be times as your pastor, you're going to come to me with a question, and here's what I'm going to say. I don't really, I don't know the answer to that. God hadn't revealed it all to me. But here's the point. You don't have to understand everything to believe the main thing. And that's what the man's essentially saying here. He's like, listen, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. In fact, if I stood in a, a debate today with some of the religious leaders, I might not be able to win. I might not be able to, to debate them and win the argument. Because, yeah, I get it. I don't know a whole lot. But I know one thing, that I once was blind. But now my eyes have been opened. Now I see, verse 26. Then they said to him again, so, so, and they want more. These Pharisees are terrible. They want more, and so they said, "What? So what did he do to thee? How, how did he do this?" Verse twenty-seven. He answered them, "I've told you already." He's frustrated. And rightfully so. He's being put to trial here. And he's already told them three different times exactly what has happened. And he's, he's even being honest. Like, I don't know everything that you're asking me. But th- I do know one thing. I was blind. Now I see. And they continue to press. They continue to press. They continue to press. He said, listen, I told you already. Ye did not hear. And by the way, what a shame it is that some people sit in our churches every single week and they refuse to listen. They refuse to Open up their eyes. And here, he said, ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Like, listen, are you really going to listen to me this time? Will ye also be his disciples? Verse 28. So they reviled against him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. In other words, they're saying this, is that we know, we believe. And by the way, this is so interesting. is because they're, they're going way back to Moses, which, which they weren't alive during Moses' day. And, and they act so confident about Moses and that God spake to Moses. But this guy, we not, know not from whence he is. In other words, we have no idea where Jesus came from. We, we need to know where he's from. We know a whole lot about Moses. We got five books written about Moses called the Torah, and we know them well. We know them inside and out. I know everything there is to know about Moses, but Jesus, this guy that shows up, we don't even know where he's from. So the man, verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, why herein, this is so good, okay? So don't miss this. He said, why herein is a marvelous thing. He says, listen, look at this marvelous thing. Why are ye focused on where he's from, and yet there's a man that he opened up his eyes right in front of you, and you refuse to look at it? In other words, they're like, you're, you're arguing about the things that don't matter. Look in front of you to what God has already done in front of you. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners, verse 31, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do do nothing. Verse 34, this is where the religious leaders get so mean. And it shows the hatred in their heart for the things that God is trying to reveal to them. They said this, verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin. You know what, what in essence, they're saying? Remember, like, here's, here's what they're saying. You deserve to be born blind. How hateful. You got what was coming for you. And dost thou teach us? So they cast him out. He got cast out of the the synagogue. In other words, he got cast out of Judaism. Isolated, ostracized from society. So they cast him out. We're done with this conversation. This is over. But that's not the end of the story. So verse 35. Remember, Jesus has not been a part of this. They brought this man numerous times, numerous times. His testimony is in front of them and and all of this. And it's right there what Jesus had done. He physically healed this man. and, And now he's cast out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Listen, notice if you mark in your Bible, mark that phrase, he found him. Aren't you thankful there was a day in your life where Jesus found you. It's not that you were lost. It's not that Jesus didn't know where you were. He didn't know where where you were. No, it's just the fact that he finally got through to you and you allowed the Holy Spirit to open up the the eyes of your heart to where you could see him and he found him. And by the way, I don't know what your story is, but maybe he found you when everybody else cast you aside. Maybe he found you when you were cast out, or maybe he found you at the darkest point of your life, or at a tragic situation in your life. I don't know what the story is of your life, but I'll tell you this, it does not matter, but I'm thankful what matters is that he found you. And here, this man's cast out of society, he's ostracized from, from everyone, everywhere that he grew up is now changing because they cast him out, and then that's where Jesus comes and he finds him, and he asks him this question, which is the question you need to answer today. Do you believe on the Son of God? Do you believe on the Son of God? Verse 36, he answered and said, who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him. And Jesus said unto him, I love this. And, and listen, Jesus, he has such, remember, he's the master community. He's perfect, perfectly righteous, holy. He has such an awesome way in how he communicates to us. And here's what he says back to him. He says, thou hast both seen him, and it is actually he that talketh with thee now. Could you imagine that moment? Could you imagine standing there, this man? And, and you got to realize, we have the entire Scripture. Up to that point, they had just five books of the Old Testament. They, I mean, the Messiah is, is walking and talking on earth. He hadn't even gone to the cross yet, let alone resurrect from the grave. Everything that we have, it's easy for us to interpret this story differently, but for him, they didn't understand, and so all he knows is that he was physically blind from birth, and and now because God healed him, which is awesome, that should be a celebratory moment in that community that the man that used to beg because he was blind, he now can physically see, and what he thought should be celebrated, everybody hated on him for it, cast him out of society, and now he's standing back in front of the guy who, who healed him, which is awesome, But he lost everything for it. And now he's looking at him and he says that I am the very son of God. Not only have you seen him, he's standing right in front of you, talking to you. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, I believe. And there he worshiped him. And I want to read the last couple of verses, and then I want to give you a couple of things. I told you I was going to read the entire thing, and then just give you a couple of things here at the end. Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world, that they which see not might see, and they that which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now ye say, we see, therefore, your sin remaineth. Father, speak to our hearts today. I just want you to use me to communicate just a couple simple truths to everybody in this place today. God, I don't know if they're on the religious leader side. I don't know if they're on the skeptical side. God, I don't know where they're at, but I pray in the few moments that we have that we could open up our eyes to see what you would have for us here today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen, I want to show you two things from this story that I think are helpful. First of all, I want you to know this that that this that miracles in scripture were often there to teach us. Jesus didn't just perform miracles to do some really cool tricks. He performed miracles to teach us about himself and what he came to do. So like these miracles, of, yeah, it's cool that he healed a blind man, but the point was for him to show the Pharisees and show the religious leaders and to show the blind man himself that this is way more important, that life is way more important than physical sight, that life is all about spiritual sight. And so the miracle had a purpose, and the miracle pointed to him and what he actually came to came to do. And so the big idea today is this, the only way that your spiritual eyes can be opened is through Jesus. The only way that any of our eyes spiritually can be opened is through through Jesus. And so I want to show you a couple of things of how we can relate to this story in so many more ways than you realize. Because it's easy to see this and be like, well, I'm, I wasn't born blind and so I have no relation uh, to this story, I have no similarities to to this story, this is unique in and of itself, and and this doesn't apply to me, but I want you to know that you actually can see yourself in this story in in much more ways than possible. The first thing is this, the first way that we can see it is the condition of spiritual blindness. The condition of spiritual blindness. This man, along with the Pharisees, along with the Jews, they were all spiritually blind blind. And, and here's what I want you to know, and, and this is true of every single person in this room, that when we were born, we were all born blind. We were all born blind. And, and so if you're if you're newer to church, and that might be something, maybe you slipped in here today, and, and that might be something that you, you've never heard before. You're like, what does that mean? Here's what that means. Every single person in this place, the pastor standing in front of you, you know, any, if you popped into a Bible fellowship class, every Bible fellowship teacher, the deacons and church leadership, the pastoral staff, every single person, the person to your right, the person to your left, all those kids in the other building, man, they're really, really blind. And there's a bunch of people, every single person that walks the face of the earth is born in spiritual blindness. So you say, I have no nothing in common with this guy. Oh, yes, you do. You were born spiritually blind. The scripture says because of our blindness, we're all in the dark. That, that you can't see. When, when things are dark around you, you can't see anything. It's just black, right? And there's nothing. We can't find our way out of out of the dark. In other words, you know, to use what happened to me this week with my eyes being dilated, your spiritual eyes have been dilated to the truth that is right there in front of you. That's how we were all born into this world, every single one of us. Romans chapter 3, you know, talks about this. In Romans chapter 3, very familiar passage, and, and these are kind of some of those passages that we learn when we're sharing the gospel with people. And in verse number 10, Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he writes this, as it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. You want to talk about how spiritually blind you and I were? There, he mentions a few things. He goes on in verse number 11. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after after God. So so here's, here's the point. Your blindness, here's what that looks like. When you were born into this world, you were not righteous enough to have a relationship with God. He says there's none righteous, not a person in this place. The most moral person that you know... If they do not know Jesus, will find themselves one day experiencing the wrath and judgment of Jesus, if they don't know him. Morality is not enough for us to have a relationship with God. It's not good enough. In fact, the scripture says that that, even on our best day, we fall short. All of us. No one's righteous on their own. In verse number 11 of Romans 3, he says no one understands on their own says no one understandeth what does that mean here's what that mean sin has corrupted your mind to where your ability when you came into this world your ability to even perceive god and who he is is even warped because of the sin that was in your heart you can't understand on your own he says also in verse number 11 no one seeks god on their their own Right? In other words, he's saying this, that not only, yes, we're all somewhat searching for happiness and, and things like that, but here's what he means, is that when you were born in this world, you had no clue that the thing that you were looking for is the holy, righteous, and just creator of all things to sacrifice for the sins that you've committed. He says, no one seeks God on your own. He goes on in verse number 12, no one has purpose on their own. In fact, in verse number 12, Romans chapter 3, you can read all of this. It says that we have, when we were born in this world, we were unprofitable. You feeling good about yourself yet? Listen, trust me, when I read how bad I was before Jesus Christ, I'm just thinking, man, I mean, Paul's laying it on thick, but because before you can be healed and before your eyes can be opened, you have to understand that your eyes are shut now. Every single one of us, you had to admit your eyes were shut for your eyes to ever be opened. I was five years old when that happened. Five years old, didn't know a whole lot. I mean, I'd been in Sunday school. Like, I knew enough to where all the Bible stories could get me by, right? But here's one thing that I did know. I did know that I was a sinner, I knew that my eyes, I didn't understand at all. I couldn't quote Romans 3 at that time to you. But I'll tell you this, I knew enough to know that my eyes were shut, and I needed Jesus to open my eyes to the gospel to where I could see. You say, at that moment, did I know everything? Could I pass a theology test? Absolutely not. Did I know all the doctrines that there are in Scripture? No. Had I quoted a lot of Scripture? Uh, no, uh, everything, pretty much every answer that I could give was a no to those things. But I knew one thing, it's that I was blind, and now at age five, I now can see. You see, that's the point, that's the point. You see, that's who we we were. And, and so the best illustration on, on how I can, I can get you to understand uh, of who we were and how we were born into this world blind, it, it's simply, you know, our kids, Right? Right, how, many are, how many of you are parents in here? Okay, you've raised a kid or you're currently raising a kid. Listen, when I look at, at our kids, and any kid for that matter, it's a reminder that everyone is born into this world blind. Right? Like, like you know what's amazing? It's like every single kid, everyone that was born. You know what one of the wor- first words that they learned? No. Or how about this one? Mine. When they're little, right? And, and they learn these things. At the littlest of ages, you say, where in the world? You know, I used to think before I had kids, are parents at home teaching these kids those words? Like, what, what's wrong with this? No. You know what it is? Is their hearts are blind and they are in darkness. And so what that does is it comes out with mine and no when you say, how about this? You go downstairs, and, and I'm thankful my kids didn't, didn't struggle with this. But you know what's wild? It's like when my kids were little in the nursery, you know, like there was a couple times, like we would hear of other kids like biting other kids, right? Man, it's, it's dangerous in the nursery, Like, it's crazy. I would hear these things, and I'd be like those blasted parents, right? They're teaching their kids at home, like, hey, I know you're only two years old. If that kid takes your toy, you just take a bite right out of their arm, right? No, you know what it is? It's not that parents are somewhere trying to teach their kids how to say no and how to say mine and how to bite other kids or throw toys at another kid and things like that. You know what it is? It's that every single one of us, yourself included, we were all born into this world in darkness, blinded to what is, is in, in front of us. We're all born into the same condition. So, so you say, how do I relate to the man in the story? You, you're no different than the man in the story. You were blind. But I'm thankful that you can also today relate to how he was cured I want you to see the cure for spiritual blindness. So so you say, okay, we were all born into this, this dark, sinful, blind world, and our hearts were were blinded. So how in the world do we go out of the blind and into sight? How do we how do we go out of darkness and into into the light? Like how how in the world is that? Well, here you find the the cure. And I'll tell you this, Jesus is the only one that can open up your eyes today. Jesus is the only one to show you today from his word how blind you really are. He's the one who has to reveal that to you. I can't do it. You can't do it for your kids. You can't reveal that to him. That's why I tell you parents, like I know many of you are, are wanting your kids, listen, the best thing you can do is teach them the Bible and pray every single day for them and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart and to show them their need for spiritual sight in their life. Like, you can't force it. You can't make them say a prayer. That's detrimental to them. Listen, you can't force any of that. The only thing you can do is tell them every single day about the cure. So if you got, you got children or, or somebody in, in your family that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, the very best thing you, you can do is to share the truth of God's Word as much as possible. That's why if you have young kids, I encourage you, read the Bible together as a family. You say why just cuz pastor wants you to do it just because we can check it off of our spiritual religious box? No. The point is the power is found in the word. And so if you want your kid to know that they're spiritually blind and that the cure is Jesus Christ, the best way to do it is to get them around the word of God as much as possible and pray every single day that the God of the Bible would reach down through the power of the word of God into their heart and miraculously save them so that they can now see. You see, that's the point. That's what we should be, should be doing. But none of this, none of this sight can happen without Jesus. Can't happen without Jesus. Jesus, that's why he said here, and in chapter number eight, he's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. So you're born into darkness. You were born where you can't see. The only way to light up your path, it's not through a ritual, It's not through a good deed. It's not through good works. It's not through a local church. It's through a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, we've been studying on Wednesday nights. I encourage you, if you don't have anything going on on Wednesday nights, many of you drop your kids off or whatever, I'd encourage you pop into our Bible study here in in, in the church, we're going through the Old Testament tabernacle from the book of Exodus. And, and if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know, God, you know, he created man back in Genesis so that we could have a relationship with him. That was the reason we were created. He wanted to walk with you. He wanted to talk with you. But Genesis chapter 3, sin entered into the world. And here's the most devastating thing about your sin and my sin. It separated us and broke fellowship with the Father. So the way he created it was so that we could have a relationship with him. And now because of sin, fellowship, communion, relationship's been broken. So he has a plan to redeem us so that we could have a relationship with him. One of the ways, Exodus chapter 25, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, was the tabernacle. And the reason the tabernacle is so important for you and me is because the tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place where God's presence would dwell in the midst of the children of Israel. It sat there upon the mercy seat, which is on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and it sat there, and that's where the presence of God w- would dwell. Well, here's what's interesting, is the, the priest, when they would go in, there's a couple different spots to the, to the tabernacle, and one of those places was the holy place. No, no windows or nothing. So when the priest would go in there, and they would meet with God, they're in the presence of God, there was just all this fabric. It was completely dark. And the priests could not do what they're supposed to do without light. But there was one piece of furniture there in the holy place. You know what it was? The gold, actually, there was a few pieces of furniture there. But one thing that brought light was the golden candlestick. And you know what would happen? Every day, that the priests would go in. They would light this candlestick, and it was the candlestick that brought, and it lit up the tabernacle. It lit it up so bright to where they could do everything that they were called to do, and they could meet with God. Well, the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene, and he says this. He says, now, we don't need a, a golden candlestick anymore. We don't need a candlestick to light up our life and to light up our path. We don't need a pillar of fire in the sky to show us which way to go anymore. No, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you want your life to be lit up and you want to move from spiritual darkness into light, it's only it's only through Jesus. He's the only one, and he's the only way that you can move out of the dark and into the light. See, here there is a warning at the end here, and we'll be done. Seriously, there's a warning here in verses 39 through 40. Jesus, I mean, this miraculous story just happened, but yet Jesus put something in there that's so interesting in verse 39 He says, one day, those, like those religious leaders who refuse to open up their eyes, one day, judgment is going to come into the world. One day, judgment is going to come. Listen, I love to talk that God is love, and he is 100% of the time. He is. There's never a time where God is not love. But not only is he the lover of your soul and of my soul, he's also the coming judge of the whole world. I know we don't like to talk a lot about that, but I would not be a good pastor to you today if I ignored the judgment that is coming for anyone who refuses to open up their eyes. There's a judgment coming, and he talks about it. He says that one day those who refuse those who just shut the eyes of their heart and they refuse to believe and they refuse to see what's in front of them, one day they're going to see, and they're going to notice. And by the way, if you're one of those who refuse to open up your eyes, one day you'll see. You'll see. Everyone will. And the problem is, is that one day it could be too late. It could be too like. Think about this. Um, without going into to detail about this, is the nation of Israel? Like, there's a specific way that a lot of them are going to eventually see. You know, when God comes back to to rapture us up into to heaven, there's going to be a tribulation period. And here's what's interesting: is after the tribulation period, there's going to be a real famous battle that's going to happen in our world. The Scripture calls it the battle of Gog and Magog. Say, what in the world does that mean? What does this have to do with anything? But you can read about that battle in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. And here's what's interesting is in Ezekiel chapter number 12, verse number 10, you know what it says? Is that after the tribulation, and it's talking specifically about Jews in and Israel, and, and after the tribulation period, at this battle, Jesus is going to come. And he's going to fight the battle for them. And it's going to save Israel from the battle. Because all of these nations all around the world are going to come. And they're all going to be battling Israel. And Israel's is going to be kind of by itself on an island. And here's what's going to happen. Is in the midst of the battle, Jesus is going to come. And he's going to fight the battle and wipe out all the enemies of Israel for good. And here's what it says. Ezekiel 12.10. You can look it up. It says this. It's prophesying about it. It said, Then... Israel and the Jews will be able to see. And you know what it says? It says, at that moment, the ones who refuse to believe, the ones, the Jews who refuse to accept the Messiah that had come, it says that they will see. And here's what it says I love the wording of the prophet Ezekiel. It says, they're going to see the one that was pierced for them. Listen, I'll tell you this. You might today refuse to open up the eyes of your heart. But one day, every single person in this place is going to stand before God. And you're going to see the one with the piercings in his hands and in his feet and in his side. And you're going to see him when you stand before judgment. And you're then going to know that the God you rejected here on this earth... Was the God who came to rescue you from your sin. So I ask you this today. Have your eyes been opened? Are they open? Like, are you refusing? Do you need assurance today? Like, I don't want to maybe salvation, I want to know salvation. I don't want to leave here and say, man, I I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. You know, I've done pretty good for myself. Listen, I want every person to walk out of there without a shadow of a doubt because we're not promised another day. And if we're not promised another day, listen, you don't need to walk out of there and Jesus come back and that be the moment that you see him for who he is. Are your eyes open? Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask everybody to stand, but nobody looking around. I just want to give you a chance to respond. And by the way, it's easy to look at this, and it's easy to see this is just for salvation. Listen, some of you, you're on the religious leader side, and maybe today you need to come and say, God, I need my eyes to be open. I need my eyes to be open to whatever it is that he has in front of you. Maybe it's purpose. Maybe it's, you're just so judgmental and so critical to everything in front of you. Are your eyes open? If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, my eyes have never been open to the message of Jesus Christ. My eyes are spiritually closed today. If that's you and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you be honest before God and before me today and slip up your hand? Anybody in here high enough for me to see it, long enough for me to recognize it? Listen, don't, don't try to impress anybody around you. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter about what they think or what you, whatever, just be honest before God today. Anybody, anywhere. Thank you. I see that hand. Yes. And then if maybe you're in here today and you're like, man, Pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian, but my eyes are so shut to maybe the things of God, or I become calloused to, to everything around me, and I need my eyes to be open. God, there's people around me going, uh, and they're going to be judged one day. I need to be you know, open that God would open up opportunities in front of me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And remember, you don't have to have all the answers, but you can tell them, hey, I don't know a lot, but one thing I know, I was blind, but yet I see. Some of you just need to come forward and say, God, thank you. God, thank you. Lord, we're so unworthy. Speak to our hearts in this invitation time. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Nobody's looking around. If God speaks to you, come.